All right, cool. Ben, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, uh, we got to be a little bit closer. Yeah, that's fine. How's this? This is perfect. Perfect. Cool. All right, Ben, uh, dedication. So guests get to dedicate it. So what mm-hmm. would you like to dedicate this episode to or what or whatever you have in mind? Yeah, uh, I'd like to dedicate it to the people whose engine is always running. So there's like the people that I've been inspired by lately are um, the success, like being successful is secondary to like the desire to create and the desire to uh, be curious and explore and like they don't care who's watching or like what who sees what they're doing they're just they just want to make for themselves and I think that's really interesting and really inspiring for me lately good wonderful wonderful Okay, we are back on uh, St. Paul Filmcast. Uh, with me is guest Ben Enke, um, DP or cin- what do you go with, DP or cinematographer or both? It's interchangeable. Yeah. It's interchangeable. <laughs> um, with me is Kyle um, Gothy. Um, him and I just launched our own YouTube channel, uh, Kyle and Nick on Film. Uh, awesome. Please check it out, the link is down below. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the things we've always wanted to do. So yeah, please um, check out our new YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Uh, with us is Ben. Um, Ben, it's nice to take a break to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, have you ever done podcasts before? Uh, yeah, I did one uh, for a buddy of mine who does Flush Studios, Josh Stifter. I did one for him before. Yeah, mm-hmm. Josh has. Yes, he's been a guest on this show. Oh, cool. Too, so, nice. yeah, yeah, we're very familiar, Josh. Yeah. Um, his motor's always going. Always. <laughs> man, yeah, he's always just making his own thing, and that's... Uh, Again, that's just always inspiring to see people who are out there just doing it. Uh, this year, uh, personally for myself, 2019, I was able to be on set for two movies that you were mm. uh, cinematographer for. One was After the Gunflint, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you were, uh, and I was an extra on scene. Mm-hmm. And the other one was uh, Anthony and Ryan's movie, um, Ice Cream Face Explode movie. Yeah. Um, but that movie is kind of almost like a little bit of a reunion. It looks like a part of your crew is people that you've worked before that you've kind of done your own little thing and come back. So it was a little bit like a reunion when you worked on that movie. Yeah, I try and bring uh, a lot of the same people on as many jobs as I can just because there's a shorthand there, you know, like there's especially with people that you've uh, worked with on features and and multiple projects together. You want to try and bring those same people back just because, you know, they're your friends and you want to work with your friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, one of the person that worked as Gaffing was a previous guest, Billy Straub. Yeah. And Kyle's very familiar with Billy. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also. Um, and then we College. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, good guy of mine. Nice. Uh, and also uh, Tim Schrader, who was a guest on this yeah. show, too. So a lot oh, cool. of very familiar people worked on that movie that's mm. been good friends of the show also. So um, as somebody who's worked on two different movies um, and Gunflint, um, how does it how does it, do you get approached to do a movie? What interests you to make a movie with? Because you, you've done movies with a variety of people. Mm-hmm. So what is the big catch for you to get started? Um, it has to come down. Well, I mean, initially you get the job usually from, at this point it's just friends that I worked with before. And so 
Anthony came to me on recommendation from, I think someone had recommended me to him, and he was always someone that I wanted to. Uh, we had always tried to connect, and it was just one of those things where there, there are people in this industry, even though it's small, there are people in this industry that you just, for some reason, haven't worked with them yet. You got like a checklist in, in your mind, you know? Like, <laughs> a little bit, I gotta yeah. get to this one next. But, but <laughs> Cousins was definitely just one of those people that's like, how have we not crossed paths yet? Mm. Um, and then when we met for coffee, it was just, it was like we had been friends for a long time. It was just a really good conversation and he's a fun guy. And mm. we just knew that at that point, it's like, yeah, this, at some point, this has to be a collaboration that happens. Um, yeah. And then JD's film on After the Confident was the same way. It was just, uh, I've worked with JD for, a number of years on things and uh, just always trying to support him and what he's trying to do because his films have really good positive messages and uh, just always trying to support him that way. With After the Gunflint, um, there's two things. You, you did a lot of exterior filming, but mm. also interior filming. Is that mm -hmm. something that's kind of a little bit of a challenge when you're doing cinematography or is this is something that not so much of a challenge? Yeah, exterior is probably actually more difficult, um, especially when you're on a smaller budget and you don't have necessarily the resources to control the way you would want to mm. um, whereas interior you can um i think our, i think after the gunflint was actually probably about 80 to 90 percent exteriors which yeah. is new for me um usually i'm used to working on a lot of interiors and uh which are a little bit more easier to control it's a little bit more easier to shape and create whereas outside it's like you're at the mercy of elements that you can't really control like the sun um, yeah, which can, which can be different, difficult and unpredictable. So, especially when you can't film it at five a.m., where all movies get kind of that that, that magic time. Yeah, that say. five a.m. Mm -hmm. and then that now five p.m. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thanks daylight savings. <laughs> um, a good friend of the show, Jay Ness, was here, and awesome, you've done yeah. a lot of films with Jay. Mm -hmm. um, also, actually, he was part of your crew with Hearts Want, that mm -hmm. short film. Mm -hmm. um, you guys did also a movie together called Dark Cloud, oh, yeah. um, which still I think was filmed it. about August of two years ago, and still been the editing process. Yeah. Um, can you give a little update about Dark, Dark Cloud? Uh, it's coming along. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I got film projects like that, that too. It's coming along. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's in a good, it's in good hands and, um, uh, we're just, we're all trying to make it the best it can be at this point. And that's yeah. why it's, it's taken some time and it's not something that we want to, like, we've spent so much work on it at this point. Right. We yes. Don't, we don't want to just like say, you know, let's just throw in the towel and get it made. It's like, we want to make this thing the best that we can because we all believe in it. And so that's a little bit due to why it's taking so long, but I think in the end it's, it's worth it for sure. Um, definitely follow dark cloud Instagram. More in the Facebook page because you guys put up some wonderful how it's going to look pictures and images. Um, you definitely had a nice color scheme going. Mm -hmm. I like that whole aspect. And um, you did some that's another one you just make series and interior shots as well. Yep. Um, so you are part of the editing process of Dark Cloud. Um, I uh, Jay asks me for just notes sometimes, yeah. um, particular scenes or. Um, at what point, at one point I'd seen like what was like sort of the first rough cut. Um, and so he'll ask, he'll ask for notes. And then obviously as we shoot more and more sequences for the film, I'm involved in seeing where those sequences are going to be placed in the edit as well. And so having to know where those scenes happen in the film, um, is important as well. So it's nice to have that collaboration though, where, where you it is. go back to the drawing table for a few mm -hmm. things and like kind of tweak a little bit here and there and then have that kind of communication. Yeah. It's really good to have that with anyone. Mm. I think. You're mentioning you know, like 
you know, it, it's coming along. We're, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. When has rushing a film ever gotten you anywhere? You know, like <laughs> oh, you nev- take never. Your time with it. I mean, I always think back to, to Spielberg on Jurassic Park, where he mm. like pushed off finishing the film so that he could get the CG right and he could get the moments right. And it's always about just that. You know, nowadays everyone's rushing to get these films out faster and faster. Mm. Mm-hmm. That like you've just got to you know got to take your time with it. And it's nice to be able to go back and look at it and tweak it and know where you where you want to get with it. So agreed. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of people who are just really wanting to just get a movie done and i don't think that that mindset is necessarily the best approach okay ben and so is dark cloud your first full feature or have you done one before i actually did one like five days before that (laughs) five days before dark cloud okay okay so we uh i had a it was called seed of doubt and it was in rochester minnesota and that was like a i think it was 14 days uh, which is really short for a feature, um, but it was 14 days, and then we had like for a full feature, yeah. Mm. And then we had five days off, I think five days off, and then we did Dark Cloud. Okay, which was a lot. So you probably think of day five of those days off, man. I wasted these days. Now I gotta go back. <laughs> it's like, oh man, what am I doing? It's so boring. Yeah. Uh, so for Seed of Doubt, is it? Uh, you know, you talk about fourteen days. Is it like fewer locations, fewer characters? Like, I, I to be honest, I haven't seen it, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, uh, what about that? What about that film? Kind of allowed for a really short run time, or was it just like this is what we've got for time? We got to make it work. It was a little bit of that. Um, the script only called for one major location, which was oh, nice. Okay. And so we had, I think, total on production, three locations for the entire film. And two of those locations, we were only there for half a day or oh, a okay. day at most. And so a lot of this time was spent in this house, uh, which was the primary location for the film. And so in that way, uh, it does become a little bit easier to say. Yeah, you know, I suppose you're moving travel time, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We can sort of, you know, we can leave stuff there. We can leave stuff set up. We can set up for the next day. So in that way, it was a little bit more manageable. Like, if we had to do Dark Cloud in 14 days, I don't think it would have happened. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but certainly a film like this, it's a, it's a little more feasible of an ask. Yeah, if you had a long day, you just kind of like roll out the sleeping bag and I'll see you guys in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had an Airbnb for the crew, which was really fun. That was really close to location. And so that was... Uh, that was always nice to just go and go back and hang out with people after the shoot. And, uh, which I, I always kind of prefer, like I prefer the summer camp vibe of, of features when you, yeah. uh, when you're off of location and you're away from home versus when you are going home every night. Mm-hmm. Cause there's something different about that. Like when you go home, it's like, Oh, I gotta go home. I gotta wash the dishes. I gotta feed the cats. I gotta <laughs> yeah. clean the litter box. I, you gotta, gotta go to, you gotta do stuff. life. You have to do life. And that's yeah, really a problem like, when you're, when you're trying to get involved in film. hundred <laughs> percent. And so I almost prefer it when it's like, you know, I can just go and I can decompress and, and hang out with the crew and just, and fall, you, you get know. a sense that you don't really have to switch off mm-hmm. when you're still mm-hmm. doing it. Like, I mean, you can, you can go off into a room and, and you know, if you had a bad day, you can go scream into a pillow, but yeah. you can also like, if, you know, if you have some really good, like synergy among the cast and crew, mm-hmm. you can kind of just keep that going. It doesn't mm-hmm. really have like a tapering off then. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, I mean, were there any like films shown, you know, those nights where it's like someone brings a film to the table and they're like, we're all tired, but here's what we're going for. Let's watch this. Or? Uh, no, not on that one. Okay. It was all mostly just like, let's hang out after and have a beer or two. And that's fair. And, uh, wake up the next day and do it all over again. Cool. Cool. <laughs> are you with your hard schedule? Are you able to watch a lot of movies, other movies? I try. I really do. Um, uh, lately I have, I've, I've probably only watched like two in the past month. 
Um, and I'm really bad at Netflix. I have Netflix, and it's free now. Thank you, T-Mobile. But uh, I'm really bad at watching Netflix too, because I just it's like it's right there, and it's so easy to watch. I just yeah, it's hard to commit to you know ten hours of a show or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. I, I'll be better about it in the holiday season, I think. So I want to get a little bit back to your you starting making movies. Mm. Um, for you, how did it start? As a kid, did you always want to do it, or is it something to eventually build up to? Uh, it was. Like when I watched, I bought the Star Wars DVDs, and those DVDs had those extensive behind-the-scenes documents. Not like they have anymore; like they're not as good as they were back then. But, and so I probably watched the Phantom Menace behind-the-scenes documentary more than I've watched the actual movie, and it was just so fascinating to me. Like everything from the stunt coordinating to like the sound design, like all of it was so interesting to me. Like that process as a kid, and I would that, that came out. That was I would have been like nine or ten. Okay. When that movie came out in 99, 2000 yeah. would have been the DVD probably. Um, and so that's, I think, where the it's, interest yeah. started. And then in high school, we had to make, um, this would have been junior year, we had to make a video project for an AP history class. And we, I got a few of my friends together and I said, let's do like World War One. That seems like a fun thing to do. And so like we buried a trench into like this forest and like literally in the trenches making a film with my friends which was like sort of the first exposure i'd had to doing that and uh i had you a lot actually of fun dig, dug oh, the yeah. whole, like was, four it, feet deep yeah yeah it was yeah we it came up to like our chest so yeah it would have been about four or five feet deep and i think it was like 10 feet long or something like that like it took us a long time <laughs> um so it, it, was, it was cool you know and we had all these fun tricks from like uh, that we had seen from other BTS, so like Spielberg from like from of his some of his early war films, like he would have a thing where um, you put like a wood plank or something on the ground, and then you just cover a bunch, cover it with a bunch of dirt, and then when someone steps on it, the dirt goes poof, and it looks like a you know a bullet or a shell mm. hit the ground, you know, as yeah. they're running by. And so we would do stuff like that, just little like innovative, interesting things like that, just because we didn't have money to do VFX or anything, you know. Um, and I just had so much fun doing that process. Um, and that to me was just so cool. It's like it's just a bunch of friends and a camera, just like trying to make something cool. I like mm. that little magic connotation because I think movies had a little bit of magician involved, Absolutely. right? Yeah, and I 100%. think that's why one of the first filmmakers were magicians. <laughs> oh, and, and sometimes it's nice to go, you know, peel the curtain back and see how these are actually made because we like to believe that it's really our lightsabers and they really do <laughs> all this stuff. And um, one of the best tricks I ever discovered was when J.J. Abrams did Star Trek. Mm. And there's a scene where um, Chris Pine's character, you know, Kirk, is running in the winter to in the cave. Mm. And you only see the back of him. And actually, J.J. Abrams hired a kid to do it because he knew a kid would walk clumsily and the element mm. will look much bigger than him. So the guy running is just a little boy who's like 10 years old running to the cave. <laughs> and he knew it would look awkward. Like you're running, the elements were really dominant. The scene would look much bigger. But it's like one of those little tricks of the trade of filmmaking that you'd never really discover. It kind of looks, actually, it's <laughs> watch it. looks great, too. That's amazing. I love I, that. You have yeah. to revisit that movie and watch that again. I, I, don't remember, I don't remember that. I remember the scene, but I don't remember like seeing anything weird about it. But I got to yeah. watch for it now. <laughs> But it's like those elements of you know how do we enter how do we make it convincing right mm -hmm. and I think you know magicians are the first ones. Yeah. Magicians are some of my favorite people too. Like man, I just love that like um, 
my wife and I watch a lot of America's Got Talent, and the magician acts are always my favorite on those because they're just they're oh, so yeah, they're so fool. impressive. I try to fool Penn and Teller, which is oh hard. Yeah, 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 Penn and Teller, yeah, they're just so impressive. the fact that there's still magic in the world, mm-hmm. like like magicians and like you haven't figured out all the tricks is really shocking to me. You know, where it's just like you know they're so innovative and and those are the guys who who could propel film into a less CG kind of a world. It's like the ones who would say like, how can we do this without post everything you know mm. so i think that's kind of amazing yeah one of the benefits i got to was actually i was in la and i got an invitation to go to the magic castle and you have to be invited you can't just go you have mm. to get the card and invited to the magic castle which is like a fraternity for magicians mm. it's a dinner party you have to dress formal but it won't allow you in so you got to wear a suit and tie you got to have a card and come in and you go around the castle and i think i my wife and i are like how many secret rooms are in this place <laughs> and i asked one of the guys he goes there has to be some secret he goes oh yeah there's like over immense amount of secret rooms but you have to get an order to re- get revealed unless you're a really good magician you can figure it out but there's so many secret rooms in this castle and everything <laughs> but it's fascinating to a magician do magic two feet in front of you like this distance I know. <laughs> and just to know the traits and mm-hmm. just i know that's not real but it's so convincing even up and close yeah just like a movie yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like sitting in the first row at the theater yeah <laughs> So that was your, uh, so after high school, was that something you wanted to pursue? Was immediately was this to start going into film? Sort of, yeah. Uh, I said I was going to go to college for film, and I think my parents at the time were like, are you sure? <laughs> you sure that's the most like sustainable uh, way to support yourself? But, you know, they're supportive, of course. And um, so I went to the U of M and did what was essentially film studies there. Yeah. And it was a lot of theoretical and, and let's like talk about what movies do for us and it wasn't a lot of Applying. hands-on yeah exactly mm-hmm. and i mean there were some hands-on classes but the the real like technical like how do i use a camera and how do i light something was a lot of something that i just learned from like watching youtube videos and uh reading books and and because I didn't know anything about, I didn't know how to use a camera. Like I didn't know, like, you know? And so they just, I I had to learn that stuff on my own. And then I did a bunch of work for nonprofits. I did work for student groups. Um, and then when I graduated, I hit like a proverbial fork in the road where I got offered to do a job that was full time for video. It was for a corporate company. Yeah. And it would have been like training videos. It would have been like internal stuff. And it was salaried, it was benefits. I was like, oh, this is like, what more could I ask for coming out of college? And then I got offered at the same time to DP a feature, like a very small, like no money. You have to pay for your own travel. Like a school project kind of thing. A little bit, (laughs) yeah. Like micro budget, like, um, and so I was faced with these two. It was like full time or a job that has an expiration date. And I did the film and I turned down the job and I didn't tell anyone about it because at the time it was like all my friends from college had gotten like adult jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And here here I am turning one down to do a movie that like, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. We, uh, I did the same. I took when I was in, when you were nine years old, I was in at the U of M taking film Mm. theory and film studies. Mm -hmm. Um, and our instructor brought in a guy who strictly did commercials for cars. Mm. He didn't do any feature films, but he would come in and just show like these videos of this car passing 
the tire passing the camera and he just a little dust picked up and he goes and he got more excitement out of that than any movie <laughs> look at the shot I got a little close we got to the car got to the camera and look at the little stuff he goes that is perfect you can get that in it and he's like well he makes commercials but he still had an efficient love of filmmaking mm, mm-hmm. but he was just making commercials and I think a lot of people get started with commercials and mm, move mm-hmm. over um but yeah, it's hard to, I wanna do this instead of I wanna have a job like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you regard it still as a job making movies or are you just something that you do? I mean, obviously you get paid a little bit to do it, but yeah. is it still regarded almost like a job? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's now been full time for me as a cinematography for about four years now. And so, and I think it's it's really, like I have to I have to like pinch myself every time to say like, this was my hobby and now it's something I do for a living, which is not something a lot of people get to say. And so it's, <laughs> I'm grateful for it all the time. Is it, is now when you do filmmaking is a lot of it is, um, narrative films. Yeah. Are you ever interested in doing like a documentary? Yeah, I actually, I had done documentary with JD, uh, actually before. Um, and I've done some like short documentaries before and I, I, I really, really miss it. And I wish I had more opportunities to do it. Um, because it's, it's such a fun, an interesting way of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think a lot of my work when I did work in college was very like doc-like, and that it was like me with a camera just like shooting things and like pointing it at things and not really knowing like I didn't know how to light at the time, so I was just trying to make something look good without lights. <laughs> and so the process in itself, you know, you got to do that before you know. <laughs> exactly. But you got to get everything else. Exactly. So the process in itself was very doc-like, and I think that style has just kind of carried over into my work uh, that I do narratively, and so I would love to get back to doing more documentary work. It's a, a different challenge, right? Because when Certainly. you're doing documentaries, there's no rehearsals. You just, that's what you get is what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, you, you guys were doing that. Do that again, right? This little, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Take it from the top. <laughs> and you can't, I mean, that's, it's, it's I appreciate it now of studying film how documentaries are a really good one because you just mm. that's you have to go with what you're seeing and then the process is pretty much editing the documentary as well so yeah yeah are you able to watch other documentaries or narratives or with your rigorous schedule <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't get to watch a lot of docs um i'm more so if i'm watching something that's a narrative or like a television show um Lately, I've been on a Euphoria kick. If you've, mm. if you're familiar with that show on HBO, I think Kyle is. Yeah, if you watched the whole series yet, uh, I haven't. I watched up until gosh, what was it, episode six, and then I just like didn't want to keep watching. Yeah, it's it's one of those shows that every time I would start an episode, I go, "Am I really ready for this again? Yeah. Like, am I going to put myself through this?" Because it's a wonderful show, really mm. well made. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous looking, mm. but just the subject matter just hurts you. And you know, I, I'm not a spoiler guy, but like when you finish the season you're like wow woof like Mm. this was a rough one like just the whole season is just you know internal torture so it's interesting to me that the subject content is like you said it like it is just like really depressing Mm -hmm. but the cinematography is the exact opposite of that yeah cinematography is so extravagant and it's so in your face like beautiful yeah that it's like it's almost like a microcosm of the show itself where like 
we're trying to make a paint like a pretty picture when the reality is really depressing. Yeah, everything on the outside, everything visual is mm-hmm. so nice, and then everything mm-hmm. inside going on is so painful. It's so like awful. you could print yeah. off any frame from that show, and someone would look at it and be like, "Oh, it's it's beautiful, it's wonderful," and you're like, "But it's dark, it's menacing. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really depressing." Yeah. So, are when you get on a film, do you assemble your own crew, or is that something that you negotiate with the director? How much? What did? What's kind of your freedom to when you work on a set of film? Yeah, I try to. Uh, I try to to push for my own people because I just like you know my friends work when I can. Yeah. Um, sometimes that doesn't always happen. Um, more so in the commercial world where it's like we've got this AC lined up or we've got this gaffer lined up, and um, so sometimes it doesn't always happen. Um, but usually, um, almost on every narrative, I'll usually get uh, my say of who's on board. And how do and you just from beaten from other film sets or are people just submit material to you like here or is that how it sometimes gets played out or yeah at this point it's just friends um friends that i've worked with before like i said billy comes on a lot of stuff uh timmy comes on a lot of stuff and those are usually my go-to guys for a lot of things and just trying to expand that more and trying to include different people as well now um uh, i've worked with a lot of really great female acs too and like trying to get them on more stuff as well I think right after the gunfight, you had a whole crew of girls. Yes. I mean, females, not girls, ladies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which yeah. is, I think, it's beneficial. I think a lot of it'd be beneficial to have more females on crew, and more than just on the cast. And they were incredible on mm-hmm. after the gunfight. Like I could not have done that with any other crew. Like their attitude and their work ethic, and like just how smart that they worked together. Like I could not have done that with anyone else. Hmm. Yeah, but and it's obviously your friends, so you get to work out, and it's it's special for in, your industry because you guys work so close in proximity for such like a little, and then you don't really get to see each other after a while. Yeah. You know? So it's like that really intense intimacy of working, 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 and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we go away, see you later. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's why I'm trying to make more time for just like. Can we just hang out as friends, not as coworkers? <laughs> we haven't stopped talking film. <laughs> like, can we just grab coffee and maybe like not yeah. talk about movies for a little bit? What kind of food do you like? <laughs> <laughs> but what, what what do you do outside of just working movies? What's some other things that you like? Uh, I love hockey. Uh, hmm. Hockey's a big thing. I can't talk about hockey right now because it's just so like the <laughs> wild. The wild so they're in a tough spot, so I can't. Yeah. It's hard to talk about them right now. Do you play but, it? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's 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 a fun sport, and I think that's where my love of watching it came from because it is just. I think if I played other sports, I'd be more, like I used to play baseball. I played like two years of baseball in, high, in middle school, and I used to watch that a ton in high school. And then that kind of, I think my interest in baseball rose and waned as the twins did. <laughs> and uh, use that as a barometer. Okay. Yes, and uh, and then my interest in them came back. And was shortly diminished this year. Um, but you still play as a, you just you know play little fun little pickup games. Yeah, baseball friends. not as much, but hockey yeah, occasionally. And um, but uh, not goalie. You know, I tried goalie once. You did? I yeah. uh, my my buddy was a goalie in high school, and so he didn't want to play in a pickup game once, and so he said, "Do you want to strap on the pads and go to shot?" And I was like, "Sure." I don't even know how to like put these on, but yeah, if you dress me, <laughs> I'll play. And so uh, I put on this like, and it's an, it's intimidating. It's like heavy. Yes. 
it's yeah. heavy gear yeah. like I, I remember there was like a care 11 or like fox 9 video once of like i think it was lebron mm. they like asked him to like wear goalie gear and like yep. try and he like was exhausted after like 10 minutes and that's like that's like a top tier athlete and so i i'm putting all this gear on i'm like oh my god i can't even like move how am i supposed to like stop a puck and then you get these guys who are actually like shooting like 90 80 70 miles an hour it's like that's scary even though you're wearing all this stuff and like when it hits you it doesn't really hurt but it's still scary seeing this thing fly at you at like super speed i, I played like a little old man's men's league you have yeah. to be older than 40 to do mm. so you know when the puck goes in the corner we always like you get it no you get it you, 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 you go you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. we always we we always pay the goalies we don't make them pay we pay them because that's expensive equipment yeah that's a, a grueling you know demanding physical thing so mm-hmm. uh, whenever we do our old man's league we always have our pay our goalies and the fun thing is we usually get girls to be goalies and nice. they just sit and laugh at us <laughs> you know, we're old and we're not shooting 80 or 90 you know yeah yep. uh, we had a, a girl who was like 26 who a lady who was 26 she played goalie and like how do we do and she goes you guys are in slow such slow motion <laughs> i didn't have to do anything <laughs> i fell asleep for a few minutes yep. there and uh <laughs> nodded off and had a cup of coffee and- yeah <laughs> but i think matching with film and t- uh, hockey i think hockey was made for tv because mm. it's constant movement mm-hmm. and it's constantly action where mm-hmm. baseball and football is stop take a break stop mm-hmm. you know but i think co- hockey is wonderful for tv agreed yeah it's, it's just fun not- to watch and it's fun to film too have you filmed it a little uh, a little i mean i've done some spec stuff uh which is just yeah. for like real purposes basically um i've done some of that for for hockey jay and i actually did one uh this would have been a year ago i think can I get a GoPro on your helmet? And <laughs> you sure could if you want to. Yeah, there it is. There it is. You love about it. Yep, that's right. <laughs> then you get to have fun, watch it, but also yeah. do work. Exactly. Win-win. <laughs> so hockey, is there anything else outside of films? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I just try and make time to like uh, explore and just try and be... I try not to be too like focused on, I try to be more present and that's something I've been working on a lot lately is like not worrying too much about what's coming up or what's going on and just trying to be more like in the moment, I guess. And so I take a lot of time now for just like walking and jogs and like making sure I have time. Cause I, I think as I've gotten older, I've noticed yeah. that physical health is really important. And it, it's not as it's not something I can disregard like I used to in college, and just like those are good times for me to like not only work on my health but also like just have some time to myself. I think it's very important for people who are creative, including mm-hmm. myself, to just have the time. And I use the excuse to I gotta walk my dogs, but I think I think it's nice to just decompress mm-hmm. and just let your mind emptied out all empty out the files and just get a walk and walk and stuff like hmm. that yeah. yeah i had a friend who introduced me to meditation as well which is really interesting does it work for you uh it was hard in the beginning because i i felt like i was trying to force the results okay you know because right. it's like they're I, I was the exact you, same way they're like, asking you to like 
think a certain way and it's like am i actually doing this like presently or am i just thinking i'm doing it and that's kind of defeats the purpose yeah. if you like trick yourself i don't know and so did i watch I, the inception or did i dream that i was <laughs> exactly <either>? exactly <laughs> um you actually felt like you like that you actually were kind of getting it that you were you know taking part in the moment instead of trying to get to it it still doesn't happen for me naturally every time Mm -hmm. like there are still times where it's like i'm in my own head i think about it but it has been a really nice way to just like start a day Mm -hmm. oh yeah and like i some people do it at the end of the day some people do it at the start of the day i think it's really a good way to start i find if i don't do it in the morning i'm not gonna Exactly. Like I'm always the guy too. Everyone gets after me because I'm a I'm a morning writer and not a night writer. So like I just try to get to work right in the morning. So why do you think think that is? Why do you think that works for you in the morning as opposed to? Because then I can get it done. I just know I'm gonna get tired. I'm a guy Mm. who runs until he like is crawling. Mm. You know, until I'm pulling myself up the stairs. And if I decide to start writing at that point, it's not gonna work. And I think that's the same thing. Like I'm the same person who, you know. You know, not like my wife will be like, "Hey, you got to go brush your teeth and put on like sleep clothes before you go to bed." And I'm like, <laughs> "In there, in my jeans, like whatever, it's fine." Like, yeah. you know, you kind of have to to find your way about it. So you do it in the morning. Yeah, I'll try to. Yeah, it took me about eight months before I actually really felt anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's still. I, I my friend introduced me to it over the summer, and I still don't think I have a complete grasp on it. But mm. it's it's at least a good refreshing way to just kind of almost. If anything, it almost just gets me like primed for the day. Yeah, it's kind of like you rebooting know. the system, you right. know. Yeah, it's like I know I man, I used to like have this bad habit of like I would wake up and like pretend like I was doing work by like watching a YouTube video or something like information. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I like learned something today. I'm like being productive, but like really not. But the really. video is like ranking the best cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't, you know, I really was not interested in which camera is like popular right now. So. Um, it really wasn't that informative to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I found that this is a much better way to start my day than pretending yeah. like I'm working on something. Yeah, meditation and walking can really just kind of get mm-hmm. your mind about it too. And I, I read that about writers all the time where they're yeah. like, I start my morning by walking because it, it allows you to kind of clear your thoughts and then even focus on a problem. Like, do you find, you know, maybe walking around kind of you can focus on some of the issues maybe you're having with, you know, a specific film set or a specific shot you're trying to master. Um you know, and I, Nick says he, you know, uses the excuse dog that I say, I got to go play some Pokemon go. And then I get out there and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, just like, I'm like spinning stops and catching. And I'm like, but about this chapter <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, I think it's, it, that's, it's an important time for me at least to just like, like I've got a watch. I've got one of those Apple watches where if people need to reach me, they can. And so like, I'm just going to leave my phone at home and just like not have it be a distraction for a minute, hmm. um, which is also really helpful. Hmm. Uh, both Kai and I are writers. I wrote my own uh, comic book, and yeah. Kyle did a, a screenplay for a film. Incredible. Yeah, uh, uh, you ever entertained the idea of doing being a writer? Uh, no, because I no. have so much respect for how you guys do all this stuff. <laughs> I could, I can't. Like, I, I, I always tell people that as a cinematographer, my worst, I, I like, I'm not good at idea generation, like the the beginning of an idea yeah it's like i don't know like i don't know how you can come up with a wholly like fully fledged story and like flesh out all these characters and like that just boggles my mind um i'm much better at supporting someone else's ideas okay and working from that 
but like the actual initial conception of an idea like i don't know where that comes from Trust, most of us have no idea either when we're and then in the <laughs> middle we're like there's there's nothing good about the idea <laughs> like i mean take for i was thinking about this before i fell asleep yesterday i was watching midsummer last night mm, yes which i hadn't seen until yesterday i have no intention of watching it again but um <laughs> just thinking about i mean i, I get the themes of um grief and i think rebirth that that film is talking about right and it's a big long breakup I yeah not, essentially not, yeah. Not, not essentially it, it, yeah. yeah yeah but like how do you get that film from those ideas it's like holy smoke. cocaine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like man uh it's just it's 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 like wizardry it's like magic like we said mm-hmm. it's right. just, i don't get it especially with that movie it's beautiful mm. but it's a horror movie right i think the poster captures it. everything looks mm-hmm. wonderful but there's some terrifying things to it including yeah. several relationships mm-hmm. i think that's what the theme is right um and you want to ever direct i if you had asked me that question earlier this year i probably would have said absolutely not yeah now I would say there's like a twenty percent chance. Okay. <laughs> so you tell me um, this. Okay. So you're telling me. Looking forward to twenty twenty four when you decide to do something with it. Yes, twenty percent every single year. In five years I'll be there. So what was um, the big change? What what's the big thing? Um as a DP I've I've tried to spend more time this year like for me for me the visuals aren't interesting unless they're related to the story yeah and so i've spent a lot of time this year trying to figure out like what is the path to creating resonating images through storytelling and focusing more on that aspect more than some of these technical details and i think in that process like the idea of directing a performance and the idea of of trying to steer a ship a certain way has become a little bit more interesting just because I've been so focused on how are we how are we portraying a story in a way that gets someone to feel something and I think through that process of trying to think through those things visually I think I've started to be like well directing a ship might be actually kind of interesting but Mm -hmm. I still like that is not to say that I'm going to um, because there are still so many people that I work with that are just so good at that. Like you look at, I mean, you've had some amazing directors on this podcast. Yes. And like, I could not do what they do at the level they're doing it. Because um, there's so much thrown at you. Mm-hmm. It's not just the, it's not just the visuals, which is yeah. the mistake. <laughs> yeah. I think we saw that mistake with Wally Fister when he tried to do transcendence. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's a very pretty, it's a very pretty movie, and very boring movie. But very. And that's the thing. It's like pretty pictures, but no soul. And I just don't want to ever hear someone say that about what I do. Hmm. Yeah. And I, th- a lot of good movies out there. Wonderful to look at, but mm-hmm. then what's the point? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You need something behind that little, little bit of a skeleton. Yeah. Like I think when people say something is like bad, I think what they mean is I didn't get anything from that. Like I didn't feel anything from that. Like I didn't like laugh. I didn't cry. I didn't feel like something mm-hmm. from that. And I think that's what people mean. And I think that's a huge indictment on, on the, on just the execution of that idea. I think it's like I want to create work that is that people walk away having felt something from it mm-hmm. yeah well I just watched the documentary called Memory uh, The Origins of Alien yeah. mm. which the whole aspect of the whole movie it 
but the cinematography is an element of it. Everybody talks about how the whole thing got made and um, the process, and, and some things were illogical. They talked about it in the documentary how rain fell down in Harry Dean Stanton in the movie. You're like, well, how is it? Why is that possible? What, what are you doing? You're ruining it. <laughs> but really, Scott said it's going to be an effect. I don't care. There's a leak somewhere that's dripping. I don't care. But that shot made it important, and. I think that's what whole the documentary is demonstrating is there's some elements that don't make sense, but overall everybody has appreciation for the film because it's wonderful in all avenues. Mm. You know? mm. And that's what I think you're trying to explain that some things you can concentrate just on the cinematography and something be phenomenal, but a lot of things don't really shine as much. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and I think I think if I'm doing my job right, then the cinematography is just a vehicle for the performances and the story. Yeah. And when I feel like I'm not doing my best job, it's because I feel like I'm in some way failing that. And yeah, so that's just been things I've been, things that I muse on as, on those long walks and jogs, you know? One mm-hmm. of the nice things about Hearts Want is when you shot the film, it looks like we're all, even including the crew, are witnessing a performance. Mm. And it looks like we're actually, almost like a privilege to yourself that you actually get to capture what is being in front of you. Yeah, rather than just being part of it, yeah. Which is interesting for that film because that film is centered around a play, which is <laughs> yeah, right. in, in a way that's you know the experience you get when you watch a theater play, you know. And I think that's interesting what you say about that in terms of capturing a performance, because um, that's honestly my favorite part about this job, is that, and I had this experience. I had a very profound like moment of this experience most recently on a feature I was doing, where. Um, it was this very, very incredible, very powerful performance that was about to happen, and we rolled the first take on that. And like watching it through the monitor, you realize like you're the first person who's witnessing that happen. Like you're the first person who's actually seen this performance, and like it was that first take that like emotionally just like completely got me and hit me. And then the rest of the takes, I was fine after that. But it's that first take where it's like that's where the magic is happening. Yeah. And that's you're, yeah. s- you're the first person to see that, mm-hmm. and that to me is is really special and really incredible. Uh, and what I absolutely love about this job is like we're privileged to be the first people to see these these amazing performances. Isn't that a great feeling, like to have totally. that kind of come through? Because I, when you're saying that, I was remembering uh, being at an audition for something I had written where we were at a like public library mm. in one of the like small rooms, and the woman reading like just broke into like this frenzied mess of an emotional scene that we had written mm. and i was watching and going well that worked I like yeah. and, and you're just sitting there going like i can't believe someone's reading something i wrote that and and she's making it work mm. better than i ever could have imagined and like the same thing with you then like this this character this performance is enhancing this shot in a way i couldn't have mm. expected you know mm. so that's kind of a really cool moment you know yeah. being the guy before the people buy the tickets to get yeah. to see it so absolutely hmm. ben do you like to be a part of the read-throughs when actors get together um i haven't actually done that before i don't okay. think i have i'm trying to think if i have before um one on one feature i did um sort of i was in and out um but yeah, for the most part i don't think i really haven't Okay. Yeah. It'd be interesting, though, I suppose, because you get the entire, like, you can put the, the the faces to, like, the voices that you've been reading in your head. Like, <laughs> right. The entire time. Yeah. Every time yeah. there's a director and a writer is, like, yeah. the most profound part, but, um, yeah, that would be interesting. 
do you do you read a lot of the script? Do you go over the script a lot? A ton. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the most important part, and I think that's where a lot of my work comes from. Is like when I first get a script, I'm trying to read it as not as a cinematographer. I'm trying to read it as someone who's just watching a film. Okay. Which is really hard. <laughs> um, because no you, kidding, see, right? you yeah. see certain cues. I've got a feature next year where it's like there are like distinct visual cues where I'm like, man, that's going to look cool, but i got to try to not think about it like that. Um, but um, so I try to read it non, non-biased non at first, and then I go through and, and just note questions. I just always have questions. Like the first thing I do when I meet with the director is just like I have all these like things that I want to know about, like I want to know about... Um, what's this character's backstory especially for a feature it's like what's this character's backstory where do they come from what are they how are they feeling in this moment in this specific interaction with someone like oh that's interesting yeah yeah i mean that's that's where you inform all your choices like like if i have a conversation between like me and you for example right now and say the script says um they're having this conversation but they're like turned away from each other and they're not talking directly to each other they're talking away from each other okay in my mind it goes okay are they not talking to each other because they're avoiding each other or are they is there something like what is the subtext for why they're not facing each other okay like why is that a thing and i want to know sometimes it's nothing sometimes it's just blocking but sometimes it's like yes there is a reason why these people are avoiding eye contact and i want to know what that subtext is so i can visually start to show the audience why that decision is being made okay all right I, I think I did it in my first page of my comic book. The fir- first page is simply they're driving into the city, and I want to visually show that these people, without saying anything, mm-hmm. are strangers. They're not looking at each other. They're just looking forward, and I want to present that visually that they're moving. They're moving. They're transitioning visually from the background. So even though they're thinking about stuff, they're not interacting with themselves very much, and things are progressing. That's that's what I one is a good start mm-hmm. but you're right you have to think about other aspects not what's being shown but you have to think of why it's being shown that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. exactly yeah do you do still photography uh yes and no uh, i don't do it for a living that means yes though. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no means you actually do so um sure uh i mean i've been paid for it once um I don't consider myself a photographer by any means. Like, I don't know. Is it something like a practice to keep? I mean, I have this, like, little Fuji cam that I just kind of went around when I'm on set just okay. to, like, I bought it initially to, because it was just an easy way for me to, like, find frames and find, like, yeah. interesting light and and um, when I'm on set, and then it just kind of extended to when I was just walking around and, you know, just going places. Hmm. Um but like I don't know how half the buttons work, and like I don't you know. You found the capture button. I found the button that changes the settings I need, and I know how to like take a picture with it. But beyond that, it's like there are some functions on there that I don't know what they do. So I don't, I don't consider myself a photographer in that regard because hmm. photographers, what they do is just on a completely other level. It's a it's a different discipline mm-hmm. yeah, than just totally. making a movie totally. or a feat of a film. Right? Totally, and it's harder I think because with films we have we have like time to extrapolate like yeah. a scene from and to like convey an emotion. Whereas photography, if you want to convey emotion, you got to do it in one frame. Yeah. And that's hard. I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Did you ever want to do black and white? Uh, I am right now. Currently actually. You um, are on a, on a feature. Yeah. Okay. Uh, called the recital. It's uh, mm. 
sort of an experimental character study on um, a person who's suffering from an opioid abuse or opioid addiction. Okay. And um, so we made the decision to do black and white. It's 4-3 aspect ratio, just very small, like kind of contained frame. Yeah. And uh, it's been interesting. It's been really interesting. Was that something you guys talked about or is that something from the beginning that you wanted to do? Uh, that's something that uh, the director, Courtney Jensen, had had suggested mm-hmm. that she wanted from the beginning. And the more I thought about it, the more it just kind of made sense because his world is sort of... Um, colorless and lifeless and when you have the we wanted to try and recreate how that how having that addiction feels and so that four three frame where everything's really small you don't have this room to like breathe and black and white like you don't have this typical color and this typical life that you would usually have <laughs> um, and then there are some sequences that are going to be like flashback sequences for example that will be in color and that will be normal framing just because okay. you know that is it, that was wasn't when his addiction had a hold on him, and so just trying to make those creative choices, you know. And I think, um, yeah, black and white's been really interesting, though. How do you guys go about doing black and white nowadays? Do you have to do a different camera? There's a specific camera, or is, is this switch switch you just turn on? How do you guys do it? <laughs> he now? found that setting on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I found that one. <laughs> thankfully, um, <laughs> no, it was. Um, I mean, we shoot it in color. And uh, we have monitors that will just monitor in black and white. Okay. And so I have different um, looks for different like levels of contrast and different levels of exposure for black and white. So if we have, you know, say we want this scene to be much contrastier or this scene to be much like brighter, we you know we have different looks for each of those settings. You should take a look at, if you get the chance. I know you only watch like two movies a month. So <laughs> if you get the chance, uh, the lighthouse is currently yes. here in the city. I just I caught it last week, and it's it's a four three full screen. It's yes. uh, it's black and white, and it's amazing to me. You know, you get a film like that where you know, much like addiction, that kind of style can really influence isolation. You know, getting your only two characters in the film have to fit into frame. Yeah, uh, and I, I, it's just it's amazing to see like how those choices because you think on the surface okay we're you know if we're going four three we're going black and white you're taking away from the experience mm. but you're not you're you're reducing elements to capture specific emphasis on things mm. and so it's interesting to me that that not only are you doing that at certain points but then you're also going to color mm. for other moments i'm really i'm interested i want to see see more yeah, bring it cool. all over no. yeah, <laughs> well, what do you think of the film because i mean courtney have been meaning to see it. uh so the film looks gorgeous it feels uncomfortable uh, the performances were great i walked out of it still kind of unsure what i'd seen and sounds, and to, you know like couple, several days yeah several days later <laughs> i'm still like i'm not entirely sure like like w- once a day my wife and i'll go do you think the bird like and then we'll start like you know just randomly like while in the car like was the mustache and like she knows what i'm talking about at that point she's like yeah i've been wondering about that all day so uh definitely recommend i just don't i still don't know if i liked it or not (laughs) but but you know yeah and that's that's midsummer i i I don't want to fault the film because i didn't enjoy it i did not like the movie but I felt something at least. Yeah. And I think you mentioned earlier, like the worst thing is to feel nothing or, or to feel boredom. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least if you feel hatred or dislike or disgust, it's a feeling and that's what art can produce whether or not you want it to. So I yeah. saw a review for the lighthouse that said in 50 years, this is going to be regarded as the best film of all time. Hmm. I was like, 
I don't that's think a it'll be strong review. Yeah, that's a strong. I got to make another fifty years just to like yeah. test this theory out. <laughs> Remind me in fifty years. Yeah. Set a timer. <laughs> well, the other aspect I think of it, you know, Kyle and I both critique movies. Yeah, but I think we do it too quickly. I think people mm. rush to critique a movie that I think you want to watch. You wait a couple of days before, or a couple of months before. There's some movies that I initially saw that. I said it was okay, but nowadays I have a great appreciation for. There's some movies that I saw that I thought were phenomenal. More think about it, I don't have a much of appreciation for. Um, like Ad Astra, I when I saying I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Now that I sit and think about it, it's like it's okay. Yeah, it's, I went to yeah. bed that night thinking like, wow, that was really interesting and cool. And then I woke up the next morning, I didn't like a single part of it. <laughs> so, what was your opinion on the Last Jedi? Since that seems to be one of the most controversial blockbusters in the last like. Decade. It's the greatest film of all time. No, I, no, not the greatest <laughs> film of all time. But uh, Last Jedi, I think is. I'm going to say it. I think it's the best Star Wars movie since Empire. Wow. Okay. I really regard that film. Like, there's there's flaws with it. Yeah. The the sure. Yo Mama joke yeah. right at the beginning of the film. I'm like, ah, sure. all right, don't sure. do that. Uh, but I think I would rather take a riskier, character driven story mm-hmm. than than have it a little too safe and i feel like the force awakens was a little too safe mm-hmm. um again i enjoyed it but just you know I, all i want for my star wars is be better than phantom menace no offense to phantom <laughs> menace but it's my least favorite phantom so menace has good parts. just yeah it's got good parts you know yeah but it, it's for me like i just don't want my films to ever like depreciate in value to the point of that where it like dips sure. dips in quality to becoming the worst in the series you don't sure. want it to become the worst um and so last jedi my only biggest qualm that I, i've noticed since it came out two years ago is it progresses the characters but i don't think it progresses the story hmm. like every character every main character in the film gets a significant choice and a hmm. significant movement that they get to make but the story doesn't really progress in the same way that you know like a force awakens did and that's why i think rise of skywalker has a lot of heavy lifting is because it does have to it has to resolve a previous film storyline more so than anything else so interesting i think it's a wonderful film but a lot of things were forced in it that i was forced no pun intended yeah no pun intended, but the force should be in it no <laughs> um there's a lot of things that you know that i think could have been removed that would make a better story i really want them to focus more on the jedi has to die but the force is not part of the jedi this bureaucracy needs to go away for things to get better i really think they should concentrate a little more on that and people understand that we're transitioning out of this jedi is be the focus of it Mm -hmm. and actually they fail right they're failures Mm -hmm. and that should have been more of a focus than agreed presented Mm -hmm. you know yoda for all we wanted he failed and that's the whole story is he failed and this needs to go away. We need to have some other thing to start it. Yeah. If they're going to make a Last Jedi, really emphasis on Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just what we're having presenting as the end of a, a climactic end. Really talk about it. This is, yeah. this is we're done. Mm-hmm. The books are done. We're burning it. We're going to a new, th- new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what are your theories on Rise of Skywalker? The Rise of Skywalker. See, I haven't watched anything since the first trailer. Okay. I'm avoiding everything because it's kind of that thing where like, if you know you're going to see a movie, like, why watch anything else and i know i go to the movies like three four times a week i'm gonna end up seeing another trailer it's gonna happen (laughs) and i'm not gonna be that guy who's like oh cover the eyes you know but for me i I like the fact that it's two hours and 35 minutes that they're not rushing it yeah it's it's the longest star wars film they're gonna take their time because they have to they have to not only provide a story in this one that could be on its own 
but finish a trilogy and then finish a nine film story, which is an incredibly taxing thing to do. And as we all know, JJ Abrams directs directed a lot of pilots in his career. I don't know if he's ever directed a final episode of Mm. a TV show. Um, and you know, he, he's always been known for his mystery box, his creation. I've never seen him finish a story. So that's what, I mean, that's what, that sounds like that's what concern. That's what, no, I, I lost is like my favorite TV show, but, (laughs) but I've never seen him actually get, he kind of leaves after he starts these things. He kind of leaves and moves on to the next thing. So what's he going to do in finishing a story? Mm. It's, it's concerning, but it's also kind of exciting. And I also don't think he would do it if he didn't think he could do it. it, You know, no, he, he doesn't want to follow up last Jedi and solo by making a bad star Wars movie. Yeah. Like he's got to know what the risk is going in. So yeah. do you, do you wish there was, do you wish that star Wars had had the oversight that Marvel did? I wish that there was a plan because there yeah. isn't, there hasn't yeah. been a plan. Mm-hmm. And I think if we want to fault last Jedi for anything, uh, it's, it's that there was no plan going into the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing needed to be accomplished by the end of the film. And so that's why you can say like things like it doesn't progress the story. Nothing needs to get accomplished for the story. The characters all progress and become better versions of themselves, Mm -hmm. but there's no progression of story. So my hope is well, my hope for this Benioff and Weiss trilogy, that's not happening now. Maybe (laughs) Um, my hope is that if someone does come into that, that they have the story lined up before they start shooting the first one. Cause you've, you got to learn from these mistakes. And we've had four star Wars films with five director clashes. So we have more than one director clash per film. Like this is a very, it's a very problematic situation for the franchise to be in. So I just got to yeah. ask Jay Ness to do one. <laughs> Yay! Yay! I'm sure, I'm sure be, he'd take the call. He will, he will be someday. I guarantee you that, 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 that man someday will be making something that we're all watching. Hmm. My over, my overall criticism with much is they don't know how to handle death. They try to make it okay. Somebody's going to go away. Do it. I don't like this speeches and everything. Well, death and, is a natural part of but, life. But, <laughs> and that's what I had to think about. Rogue One is all right. Show don't have me this long stretch speech and allegory. Just cut it. You're done. And that it, I don't think they know how to handle death very well. You got to give them credit though for actually like. I really thought Rogue One was going to end up with them all like changing their names and like going into like a witness protection program instead of actually getting killed off. So <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> you got to hand it to them for actually finishing that one mm-hmm. the right way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, Ben, this has been fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. We have to get a, a when I think when Rise of Skywalker comes out, we have to have a big overall discussion for hours and hours and hours yeah. group podcast three-parter yeah. <laughs> we'll do a trilogy <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right ben um and the funny thing is we actually recorded this earlier as when they get this loaded you will be gone that's so, right yeah so uh, thanks for coming in early to do it um thanks for having us on man this is a lot of fun and fun. i had you. a wonderful privilege to see you work twice this year yeah so um anthony was kind of funny he said on the recording he goes he's so quiet i don't know what you're, i don't know how you're gonna get him to talk it gets <laughs> funny. we made it though yeah. Yeah. and uh, the other aspect of when we had jay ness on it and me being a storyboard artist and all stuff and as i asked jade did you do storyboards for ben and ben's like i'll throw him right in the trash <laughs> yeah that's he's uh you know I, I tell him they're more for him than they are for me. I, Security blanket. <laughs> I, I know he needs them, and yeah. I, I want to be 
you know, I want to be open to other opportunities other than just what's on paper, you know? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's I not that it. I don't like them. No. I love them. And I, I think they're important, but you know, I'm just it's funny to, to hear from someone who, who talks about like, I'm not ideas. Like, I don't know how to like formulate my ideas, but then you're like, it's storyboards. Yeah, it's nice. I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> See, you do have some. <laughs> well, Ben, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's not over till the guest says it's over. And since Kyle's been on here before, you're it. So, well, sadly, it's over. 